How are we this morning? We good? Well done. Getting up out of bed, middle of winter. I went out this this morning to sit in the sun, and it was um almost just as cold. <laughs> I was like, "There's no point." <laughs> um, so we got a few layers on. Well, this morning we're talking about rest, and um, you know I'm excited. About a month ago, I went on a retreat on a silence and solitude retreat. And I went away to this retreat not thinking I needed silence or solitude or even thinking I needed rest, to be honest. You know, I have my two days off a week. I I try and stay in that rhythm where I'm not at work all the time, where I'm not constantly thinking or studying or doing things. And I have this time to just like retreat. Like I love reading. So I try and regularly read, switch off, listen to music, play music. But I got to this retreat. And session one was an hour and a half of silence. You weren't allowed to talk to yourself. (laughs) And in that moment, I quickly learned, wow, there's a lot of stuff that God wants to bring up. You know, sometimes we get in these rhythms that we think are rest. Sometimes we think rest is not showing up to work. We think it's not having the grandkids all week. And I just have a sense that this morning that there's a, there's a new rhythm of rest that God wants to bring and give each and every one of us. You know, there's a new rhythm of rest that God wants to give us. Can we receive that God wants to use each and every one of us in this room? And if that's true, that God wants to use us for our effectiveness, rest in God, is essential. We simply cannot sustain ourselves. You know, in a culture where we're so good at doing and showing up and just constantly going, 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 we need to get to the end of ourselves and go, we can't sustain ourselves. You know, God wants to find us in this place of rest because it's in rest that we hear his voice clearly. It's in rest that we get a new perspective. And it's in rest that we're ultimately allowed to be a bit, that we are ultimately able to be obedient to the voice and will of God. You know, Bill Johnson has this line, he says, busyness always wars against your awareness of God. You know, if we are all called to be significant in God's story on the earth, which I think we are, and I think we all agree we are, obedience to his voice and awareness of God, what he's saying, what he's doing, is so crucial. And I want to suggest that if we're not finding ourselves in this rhythm of rest, Maybe we're not hearing his voice all that clearly. Faith is not the result of effort and work, but it's the fruit of rest and surrender. And what a better place to start than Genesis 1, the creation story. So why don't you open up your Bibles?
in the beginning, God created. Who could who could tell us what what He created on each day? What did He create on day one? Anyone? Heavens, earth. Day two, what did He create? Wow, silence. <laughs> light, light and darkness. Day. Day three. Oh, we need to go back to our Sunday school, eh? <laughs> Who's got day three? Maybe we need to get the kids back out here. <laughs> uh, where are we? Day three. Has someone found it? Vegetation. Great. Verse 11. Seed-bearing plants and trees on the land. And it was so. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. Day four. What have we got? Lights in the sky, light over the earth. <laughs> and then it was evening and it was morning, the fourth day, the fifth day, living creatures, birds. <laughs> the sixth day, what have we got? Come on. Day six? <laughs> Is this a debate? <laughs> Great. He created man. Mankind. Pretty significant day. And you know, what did God say about mankind? He said, I've created them in my image. And the very first thing God does the next day, day seven, what does he do? Well done. <laughs> That's Genesis chapter one, guys. The creation story. The first thing God does with man is he rests. And I want to suggest that God doesn't rest because he's tired. Sure, creation was a, an incredible week, if we can call it that. But God, the almighty God, doesn't need rest because he gets tired. John Piper says that God's rest was not for recuperation but for exaltation that it's in rest that God finds himself exalted by man. Not because he's tired. And, you know, I think we have this view of rest that we just go, go, go until we need rest. But I think God wants to recreate a rhythm where we're actually living from a place of rest, not going until we need it as a last resort. You know, I think I was thinking about the idea of like a scuba diver. And sometimes I think we view rest as like this emergency oxygen that we get right at the end when we're kind of like ready to pass out. But the rest of God is supposed to be a, a priority. It's supposed to be a first place thing. We're supposed to work from rest, not for it. Okay, we're going to start chapter 2 of Genesis. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. In verse 2, by the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. And this is the verse I want us to sit in for a little bit. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he had rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God made this day holy. He set it apart as different than all the other days. 
You know, if we think about the Old Testament um, tabernacle, there was the innermost holy place that only the, pr- the high priest could enter once a year because of the holiness of God that was in that place. And God is here saying that Sabbath, a day off, rest, is holy. There is something about resting in him and entering his presence, the most holy place that is connected here. And whatever God blesses as holy, we can trust that it's good. Now, if we were to follow the story through the book of Genesis, we could see that there's a pattern between labor and rest all throughout this book. It's quite a significant theme in in the story of God. If we go to... um, Over to chapter 3, verse 16, it says, To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. That doesn't sound like rest to me. The very next verse, 17, says this, To Adam he then said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I have commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it for all the days of your life. Painful toil. Doesn't sound like rest for me. Chapter 4, we read the story of Cain and Abel. What happens here? Cain murders his brother. And 4 verse 10, it says this, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Doesn't sound like rest to me. Sounds like labor. Sounds like painful toil. A couple verses later, verse 12, it says, When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you for you'll be a restless wanderer on the earth. Directly after the fall, man tries to do its own thing. It turns away from the voice of God that says, don't eat from this tree. And what does it find? It doesn't find rest, but it just finds story after story of pain and sorrow. You know, we could, we could continue on and go through the entire book of Genesis and we could look at Abraham, we could look at Isaac, we could look at Jacob, we could look at so many stories where, look, eventually the Israelites, they end up enslaved in Egypt because they weren't willing to listen to the voice of God. So there's a pattern here that God's trying to teach us. Rest. Find yourself in the most holy place. Hear my voice. Be obedient. And then over in Exodus chapter 20, it becomes a command. You'll remember hearing this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. by keeping it set apart, different, holy, sacred. 
you know, we could look all through the Jewish tradition. We could look at so many different things that God's people had to do to keep this day holy. You know, they couldn't, they couldn't clean on the Sabbath. And if we go to Leviticus chapter 25, you could read how there were seven festival days a year that were sabbatical. There was land rest that every seven years they weren't allowed to, to use the land for their crops. Seven times seven, every 50 years would be a year of jubilee. There's just so many patterns of rest in the story of God throughout the Old Testament. You know, let's go over to Leviticus 25 and let's just read about what, how this affects the land. Leviticus 25, the Lord said to Moses at Mount Sinai, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land I'm going to give to you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years sow your fields and for six years prune your vineyards and gather their crops. But in the seventh year, the land is to have a year of Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Do not reap what grows or it do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the grapes of your un untended vines. The land is to have a year of rest. Whatever the land yields during the Sabbath year will be food for you, for yourself, your male and female servants, and the hired worker and temporary resident who live among you, as well as for your livestock and the wild animals in your land. You know, God is saying that even the land needs rest. And, you know, I think sometimes we think of rest as just a purely, like, a body function so we don't get sick. But how many of you know that the human is not just a physical body, but the person is made up of a spirit, a mind, emotions? You know, in the West, we typically think of a person as a human body. And maybe there's a bit of spirit, maybe there's a little bit of emotion in some more than others. But I want to suggest that we're primarily a spirit first. There's a line that's been coming out of the last few years that says, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. We're not a body that maybe has a spirit, and there's maybe some soul in there as well. But we are primarily a spirit that has a soul, and we just find ourselves in a body here on earth. And all of these things are interconnected. You know, there are physical signs that if you're not resting, you know, you get bags under the eyes, you start getting a bit hazy in the mind. All of these things are so connected. And I think often we like to separate it and just think, oh, I'm getting sick, I need to take a day off and well, what, sleep all day or something. But rest is more than just a physical thing. We need to find rest in our spirits. We need to find rest in our minds and we need to find rests in our body. The physical and the spiritual is far more connected than we think. You know, one of my favorite stories that illustrates this is Exodus chapter 17. The Israelites are at war against the Amalekites and Moses, his hands are raised. And when his hands are raised, the Israelites win the war. 
when he lowers his hand, what happens? The war flips and the Amalekites win. Coincidence or not? Maybe God's trying to teach us that there is a connection between the physical and the spiritual. You know, I think that's why we we do things like when we go to a, a sport game, we get all excited, we physically express it. Because we've got this feeling on the inside and we physically need to express it. It's why when we come to church and we gather and we raise our hands, because sure, we can feel it on the inside, but we need to physically express some of this stuff. The physical and the spiritual is far more connected than we think. So we find ourselves today in a world that I think is crying out for rest. Has anyone heard of slow TV? Yeah. I was at a family dinner a couple weekends ago and my uncle Matt, who some of you would know, put on this slow TV. It was seven hours of a train, like driving across Ireland or something. Anyway, the first 20 minutes, the train was in a tunnel. Like, or who's heard of minimalism? That whole movement where people are trying to get rid of so many things. There's that show on Netflix, the Marie Kondo, I think I've heard Heather talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it. <laughs> but there is this cry in the world around us for rest. There is this cry in the world around us for doing less and the things that we put our hands to being greater fruit because we're not trying to do everything all the time. There's all sorts of weird meditations going on out there of people trying to find rest. And we hear Jesus in Matthew 11 say this, Come to me. There is only one place to find this rest. Come to me. Matthew 11:28. All you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Not just rest for your body, not just rest for your mind, but rest for your souls. You know, there is only one place that will truly find rest. In the mo most holy place, his presence. So what does it look like for us to rest? You know, I think sometimes we hear that phrase and we think about just switching off and sleeping for 12 hours, watching TV all day. You know, rest isn't just aimless switching off or just doing nothing. But as we heard earlier, rest is set apart as holy. So rest is towards something. Rest is our attention, giving our attention toward someone. Commit time 
commit a day to move your attention toward him to find rest. When we find rest, we move from a place of striving to a place of abiding. You know, when we're striving, which we all do, we're in a mode where we're just trying to, trying to build and trying to go and do and get things done. But it's in the place of rest that God wants to move us from that to a place of abiding. And what's abiding? Abiding is simply living out of a place of obedience and relationship. If we're truly in rest, we'll know his voice. We'll have his perspective. And we'll be obedient to what it is that he's saying. You know what rest in him tells the world? It tells the world that we trust in a good God. Because, you know, we can't do it all ourselves. And when we rest, when we stop labor, we stop work, we give our attention to him and we say, you have this day. We say to the world that we trust in a God who is good. Because if he is good, then his plans for our lives are good. And we can follow him all the days of our lives. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite the team up. Um, we're going to sing a song now that I've been leading, I think, every set I've done in the last six months. It's called The Goodness of God. And it says, all my life you have been faithful, all my life you have been good. And you know, rest, you know what it, it tells? Rest is simply s surrendering to a God who is good. Yeah? Rest is going, I don't need to do it all. And I'm okay to take a moment to stop and go, God, I surrender my way to yours. Yeah? So we're going to sing that together. Why don't we stand and I'll pray for us. So, Father, I thank you that there is rest available in your presence. And God, I just pray that by, by your Holy Spirit, you would be bringing rest to each and every one of us. God, would you continue to teach us what it means to live from the place of rest? Because we trust you and we love you. A good and gracious God. Amen.